This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Everybody, Cheryl from Unleashed, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Carol Osborne. She has a clinic in Ohio. She's a veterinarian. She also did residency at the Columbus Zoo, which is very prestigious. And so, uh, welcome, Carol. May I call you Carol? Absolutely. Most people call me Dr. Carol. <laughs> okay, I could call you Dr. Carol. Sure. No problem with that. You earned it. A lot of schooling. So I want to thank you for being on the show. And why don't you give us a little background on on yourself and what your specialties are? Sure. I'm what they call an integrative veterinarian. An integrative veterinarian is someone that integrates or combines the traditional Western standard medications that most of us are familiar with, along with the natural Eastern holistic or natural therapies. And that way we can try to optimize healthcare for each individual dog and cat according to what suits them best. We also try to minimize as many drugs and chemicals as we can because we find that there are often natural alternatives that can be equally effective in many cases, and that works out pretty well for most of us. I'm also board certified in anti-aging medicine for pets, which just means that we work on natural solutions to kind of turn back the clock, if you will, or get Fido and Fluffy to enjoy longer, happier, healthier years in the most natural way possible. Right. Because it is a long-term commitment and you want to keep them as healthy as possible. Most definitely. And I believe exercise, love, trust, and calmness also help. And then, of course, do you uh, subscribe to vitamins for dogs and cats? Well, Cheryl, not only do I subscribe, but I spent many years after I became board certified in anti-aging medicine for pets, doing research, et cetera, on vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, herbs, et cetera. And I ended up putting together a combination of vitamins, minerals, herbs, anti-aging factors, and antioxidants, rolled it all up into a tasty treat named it PAWS, P-A-A-W-S, and ran some clinical trials on that. And pets on PAWS, for example, we have small breed dogs, 30 pounds and under, going strong at age 24. We have giant breed dogs who normally enjoy a much shorter lifespan than your small, medium, and large breeds going strong at 18 and 19 years of age. And that's just from a comprehensive, balanced vitamin, mineral, antioxidant supplement, if you will, that the owners give as a tasty treat based on age and body weight every day. So yes, vitamins and minerals are a big deal, and they can certainly pay you back in many, many ways when it comes to your pet's health and wellness. Right, right. Now that would also include like some of the bigger dogs with the hip as far as some of the treatments. I know I've seen um, some videos of dogs who have problems with the hip. You know, they put them in a, you know, like a water, like a sauna and they make them move their hips. Sure. You know, the truth is, Cheryl, pets, uh, dogs in particular age so much more quickly than we do, six or seven times as fast. So 
even though, you know, you think of your two or three-year-old dog as just kind of a puppy, the fact is a two-year-old dog is equivalent to a 65-year-old person. And what we have found through research is that if we start to supplement our pets with the vitamins and minerals and nutrients they need, we can extend not only the healthy lifespan, but we can prevent, reverse, and retard up to 90% of the degenerative processes associated with aging in pets. And one of the first things we become aware of is our pet's inability to jump in and out of the bed, jump in and out of the car. Uh, They have trouble getting up and down. And that's because arthritis, which affects people and pets, is been shown, has published research that dogs in particular have arthritic changes in their bones and joints, whether or not visible signs are apparent at the young age of two. When it comes to cats, uh, one of the biggest problems that kitty owners have is using that litter box. And if you have an elderly cat and then you have a litter box with very tall sides, one of the many reasons that they do not crawl into the box is because those bones and joints are hurting because they've got arthritis. So if you cut down the sides of those tall litter boxes, just take a scissors, cut it down and put a nice thick piece of tape on so there's no sharp edges. What many people find is that the cat will then be much more interested in actually going into the box to do their business. And we offer natural vitamin supplements that that deal with arthritis and all these other things for cats and dogs. And they work wonderfully, Cheryl. You know, I'm having a bit of a problem with my older cat right now. You know, it's not every day, but I see that she's walking different. She uses a stool to get on the bed, but she'll jump off the bed. But she'll go all the way around, climb on a little footstool. Sure. So I'm going to try that. I have litter boxes that have no covers on it. I'm going to try it because I keep it clean. But I have noticed that there are some accidents. Uh, Yeah, if you just get rid of those sides, eliminate the sides so they don't have to crawl up and get in and then crawl out. You can imagine that's pretty tough. You might be surprised. And um, we carry these too. One of the many things that I formulate, different combinations of glucosamine, MSM, hyaluronic acid are incredibly effective, completely natural, no adverse side effects of any kind, but they just kind of give the hips, bones, and joints the nourishment that they need to help promote pain-free mobility. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because animals don't really let us know when they're in pain. They hide it. Some of them being pack animals, they don't want to let us know. But I remember somebody when I I just lost my Maine Coon, and I remember when I went to the vet, he did ask me, was he walking different? And, you know, you don't really notice until you notice. But I notice now with my female, she does walk different. She doesn't have the same strut. She'll play. You give them catnip. They enjoy it. Um, Absolutely. I like catnip for them. It's good for the. I believe it's good for the digestion and it makes them a little bit more playful. But I, I definitely will try that. Now, you also believe in different kinds of feeding for our pets. More of more naturally, I do. And I think that home cooking for your pets requires a little more time, no doubt about that. And it's uh, probably not going to save you a whole bunch of money, but 
if we can eliminate as many chemicals and preservatives, etc., from our pet's diet. You are what you eat, and that applies to your pets just as equally as it does to you and I, Cheryl. And uh, in general, when it comes to dogs, we're talking about one-third lean protein, you know, whether that's chicken, turkey, beef, veal, duck, etc. One-third can be your long-acting carbs, potatoes, pasta, rice, quinoa, things like that. One-third fresh veggies. I always put the cruciferous on the top, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and after that, green beans, cabbage, kale, spinach, etc. If you've got a pet who uh, maybe is a little pudgy on the waist, needs to cut back a couple of times, 50-50, 50% fresh veggies, 50% lean protein, uh, cut out the carbs and you'll cut off a couple of those extra pounds. When it comes to that dry food, be it for kitties or for dogs, it's the dry food that packs on those extra pounds. And when you stop feeding a pet the dry food, you will need to keep a close eye on their body weight because those excess pounds start to drop off almost magically before your eyes. And I think one of the things that's so deceiving is they pay these graphic artists lots of money to paint beautiful pictures on the packages and the cans to make us think that that's really what is inside that package, whether it's, you know, the dry or the canned. But the reality, Cheryl, between you and me, that's not really what's in there. The fact of the matter is, if you were to, uh, you know, walk into the slaughterhouse, let's say, take the chicken, you know, the breast, the thigh and the leg, the parts you and I think about, well, those parts go over to the human side. And the parts of that animal literally left on the slaughterhouse floor, considered inedible for human consumption. Unfortunately, those are the parts that go over to the pet side. And then to, to boost up the nitrogen and the protein content, AFCO, A-A-F-C-O, who is in charge of what goes into your pet's food, allows things like cyanuric acid, a chemical used to clean swimming pools, and many other things that you don't even want to know about. Those things are legally added to pet foods, both dog and cat, uh, to, and I quote, artificially inflate the protein content, end quote. So the reality is I have found through my research and clinical experience as a practicing veterinarian that a fresh homemade diet, along with a comprehensive balanced vitamin mineral protocol, keeping your pet lean, which means getting them out at least twice a day for exercise, minimizing unnecessary vaccines and other pesticide type protocols, you can extend your pet's healthy lifespan significantly by just doing those simple things. Now, what about for cats? Now, cats, the vegetables have to be cooked, correct? Well, here's the thing, Cheryl. You know, dogs are pretty similar to you and I, omnivores. They eat everything. But cats, the good Lord made cats to be obligate carnivores. In English, what that means is the Lord created cats to eat meat and meat alone. Now, what does a cat eat in the wild? Not that they are today. Well, they eat meat. They eat the bones. They eat all that stuff you don't want to think about, you know, of the carcass. Do cats eat vegetables? You know, not so much. Do cats eat carbs? Well, cats are smart. Cats really don't eat carbs. So can you incorporate 
some minimal vegetable matter into a cat's diet, you can slowly and carefully. Can you create a diet that your cat will actually eat at home? Like chicken and fish and turkey. And you know, yeah, yeah, I always say to my clients, is your cat a meat cat or a fish cat? Usually cats are going to pick one or the other. They like meat, you know, chicken, turkey, beef, or they like fish, salmon, tuna, whatever it might be. And if you know which, which kind of cat you have, then you want to take, let's say, the salmon if it's a fish cat or the chicken if it's a meat cat and prepare that however you think your cat would like it. Some cats, Cheryl, as you well know, want it to be pureed. Other cats want it to be chunky. Some cats like the little chunks. Other cats like the big chunks. Some cats like it with gravy. Others like it without. So you have to keep all of those things in consideration, uh, if you will. And then there's something called combu broth. K-O-M-B-U. Combu broth. And all your unleashed pet-loving listeners can look up the recipe, or they can even give us a ring. Make yourself some of that combu broth and mix it with your meat and or your fish and give it a try. You might be surprised. In my practice right here in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, we've done that with a few of these kitties when, you know, the moms really enjoy spending that extra time in the kitchen. And we have had some level of success. What is it called again? Oh, the combu. K-O-M-B is in boy you. Combu broth. It's not hard to make. It is on good old Dr. Google, as they say. And if you have a specific question, we wrote up the recipe in our office and we're glad to share it with you. Okay. You have a website that our listeners could find these things out on? I sure do. I have two websites. And on the website, there's a giant blog with uh, over a thousand plus articles that I have written addressing all kinds of news and health-related concerns for dogs and cats. Um, ChagrinFallsPetClinic.com is a big one. Um, And the easier one where you can click over is just the DrCarol.com, which is the D-R-C-A-R-O-L.com. And that website will let you kind of click over to that big blog that, that I referred to a moment ago. I still have to get the image of the food out of my mind. I'm killing my animal. Right. Exactly. I hear you. And, you know, always provide nice fresh water at all times. And when it comes to kitties, you know, cats don't drink a lot of water. Cats get most of their water from the diet. So that's why, you know, your veterinarian might say, hey, give them a little bit of canned food because canned food has a bit more water in it than dry. But, you know, like, like I said, my female is getting older. She she likes to drink water, but I don't know how I got this in the habit. I got the habit with my Maine Coon. She likes an ice cube in her water, and she will stand there and wait for an ice cube. She likes it a little chilled. <laughs> yeah, cool, fresh water. That's why water fountains are popular, because cats are very smart, and they're looking for fresh water. So you can buy yourself a little water fountain, uh, make a little water fountain, what, you know, whatever works. But yeah, cats are looking for the fresh water. Wow. That's and funny. ice cubes are great. A great source of hydration for dogs or kitties. Big cubes crushed any way at all. Um, nothing harmful about them. Uh, just a little bit more fluid and fluid is good. I want to take a break and I have a couple of questions I'd like to ask you when we come back. We'll be right back after a sponsor. 
take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, and today we have Dr. Carol Osborne. She's a veterinarian, and she's teaching us a lot about our animals. I have a question. Sure. For a large dog, small dog, or a cat, how many times, you know, cats are different because, you know, I keep some food out. I won't be doing that anymore because now I'm so upset. But how how many times should you feed a dog? Twice a day? All pets, I may add, uh, dogs and cats need to eat at least two meals a day, breakfast and dinner. If you want to feed breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's certainly fine. You know, think about insulin. Think about diabetes prevention. What is the rule? The rule is we need to eat approximately every four to six hours to keep a stable glucose, a stable blood sugar level, which helps to avoid things like diabetes which unfortunately are popular in people, dogs, and cats. So two to three meals a day. And in particular, this free feeding, Cheryl, which is a big one in kitties. Free feeding is not really a great idea. You need to know when your pet eats, what your pet eats, and how much he or she is eating. I have people coming into my office on a regular basis with 20 plus pound cats And they say, oh, Dr. Carroll, my cat has big bones. Unfortunately, their cats don't have big bones. Their cats are clinically obese. You know, cats, Cheryl, as I'm sure you do know, they've got a fat pet. It's right in the groin underneath that tummy, right in front of the hind legs. So if you're petting your kitty, giving a nice little belly rub, and you take your hand and you can grab a big, you know, sort of um, hunk of junk, as they say back there, that is F-A-T fat. I've never had a fat animal. Never had a, thank God, but. Well, I'm proud of that. I do keep a little food in the bowl. And because, you know, I think she's getting older, she watches, she eats in the middle, just a, a, you know, one or two bites. Sure. And if she doesn't see me pouring in, she doesn't believe I did it. And she stands there, but I'm going to try to, uh, you know, I'll eat more chicken. I eat fish anyway. Chicken and fish is my thing. Don't let your cat get hooked on fish. I got a client that came in the other day with a 20 plus year old cat. And he told me my cat eats tuna every day for the last several years. And I explained to him that cats have an addictive personality when it comes to food, just like more is the cat, right? Um, They get addicted to fish. So you need to always blend, 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 because cats on an all-fish diet get all kinds of vitamin deficiencies. They can start having seizures. So blend the nutrients. And for those cats that are chow hounds, many are, remember sprouts. You can go on our website and get some sprout recipes. It'll cost you nothing. 
You can grow whatever kind of sprouts you want in your windowsill. They've got all kinds of wonderful vitamins and minerals, and the cats love playing. You know, they take their teeth and kind of nuzzle on the different little sprouts. It's fun. It's very economical, and it is healthy. I'm going to try it. I mean, yeah. I'm definitely going to try it. Exactly. You know, I'm cooking now anyway. Yeah. It's good for dogs and cats, I might add. Wow. It's a good thing to know. And what do you think of vaccinations? Here's what I think. I think that we all need a minimal baseline level of immunity to protect us from many of these deadly viral diseases, whether that's rabies, parvo, distemper, COVID-19. But Cheryl, after that, we take titers. A titer is a blood test. We send it to a lab and it documents whether or not that individual, the person, the dog or the cat has a protective level of internal immunity for that particular disease, rabies, distemper, parvo, hepatitis, leptospirosis, whatever it might be. What about heartworm? There's no need to over-vaccinate. Most rabies shots last for about eight years. And many of these distemper type vaccines last for a minimum of four. So don't be afraid to ask your vet about titers. Titers, T-I-T-E-R-S? Yes. And the vaccines that we do use, although we use them sparingly, are free of adjuvants and mercury. Boy, this is a lot to take in. These type of vaccines are available to all veterinarians. They cost a couple of bucks more, but... It's well worth it not to stand there and have your veterinarian injecting your pet with toxic materials. Right. You're right. You're right. And that's why you have to keep records. And, you know, there's been a lot of uh, hoopla over this flea collar that ended up killing pets. And what do you recommend for fleas and ticks? Because we're coming into the season, no matter where you live, it's going to be summer somewhere. Absolutely. And by the way, Soresto stay away from the Soresto flea collars. Not only have they killed thousands of pets, but some children that snuggle up and sleep with their pets uh, have been hospitalized from epileptic seizures from all the chemicals that these nasty collars emit. Remember that fleas live in the environment. Fleas and ticks live in the environment. So environmental control is first and foremost. Borax, Buy a box at the grocery store. It's in the laundry detergent section. One pound will cost you seven bucks. Sprinkle it all over your carpets and floors. Leave it on for an hour or so. Vacuum it up. One year of natural flea prevention within the home that actually works. You can call some of these companies like Flea Busters. They do the same thing, but they charge you 300 bucks. So that's a good one. If you're looking for something natural, remember that geranol, synthetic geraniums, terribly effective. It's very helpful for fleas and ticks. A couple of little squirts. Remember, in kitties, fleas like the head and neck area. In dogs, it's the tail, head, and the groin. So if you want to know if you've got fleas, flea dirt on the dog, the cat, or in the home, in the home, put on some white cotton socks. Shuffle your feet all over that floor. Pick up your foot and look at the bottom of that sock. If there's black and brown specks on your foot that look like pepper and you get them wet, they're going to turn red. Why? Because flea feces are dried blood. Same thing on the pet. Take your cat, put them on a white sheet. 
Do the same thing with your dog. Get a flea comb, one of those little combs with the tiny little right. yes. uh, spaces. Comb the head and neck of the cat and comb the butt of your dog and look at that sheet. And if you see those black and brown specks, they look like pepper. Get them wet. Put a drop of water on them. If they turn red, that's your diagnosis. Those are flea feces. You know, it's so funny you said that because when I got my Maine Coon, they obviously, you know, nobody treated him for fleas. And I noticed that I had them and they were in my screened in patio. Sure, sure. I would go in every day with white socks and that was the test. <laughs> it is indeed. You know, you could take a little uh, rosemary peppermint, for example, put a couple dabs. If you got a little bandana on your pet or your kitty, you can put a couple drops on there, you know, each week. Does it help to repel those nasty critters? You bet it does. All kinds of other things, you know, that you can do. Even for dogs? Oh, yeah. Dogs and cats. Dogs and cats. And, and the other thing is, depending on your yard, you know, if you can trim away the grass and, and all that tall shrubbery, et cetera, from the home, that's very helpful when it comes to ticks because the ticks hang out, you know, on the tree branches and the shrubbery. The fleas, on the other hand, you know, the tick drops down on you, but the flea, hey, those suckers can jump like four feet. So the, the fleas are in your house. And if you got hardwood floors, they like to lay eggs in the cracks of that hardwood. So you want to make a special point of uh, running your feet along those hardwood floors. Oh my God. I can't wait to go outside now. <laughs> I'm so grossed out, but I don't, I don't think I have them, but my eyes aren't good, but I'm going to check. I don't think I have a flea comb and I brush my cat at well, least once or twice a day. Well, and, re and remember, vacuuming, if, if you're good with that vacuum, vacuuming can eliminate up to 95% of the fleas and all, and all that kind of thing. If you have a bag like an old vacuum, you got to dump the bag because they'll hatch out right inside yeah, of it. I have, the, I have an Electrolux. It's my longest relationship. I have the canister one. And it's true. It does uh, suck things up. I have to take in all of this. I can imagine. Remember, fleas are nocturnal. So uh, they start to party at night. Cats and fleas, they like to live it up at night. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. All right. Real quick, let's remind our listeners that the weather is getting warm and we want to make sure that they do not leave their pets in a hot car. Or a car that could get hot. Boy, oh boy, is, is that the truth. Pets get heat stroke. One, two, three. Never, ever leave your pet in a parked car, ever. Ten minutes, it'll be over 100 degrees. In fact, Cheryl, that's such a big deal. They have passed laws in many states. If a pet is found in a parked car, those owners will, in fact, be subject to legal persecution, if, if, if you will. So keep your pets cool. You know, if you're taking your dog for a walk and he's a couple feet behind you, that walk is over. Those pets are too warm. You know, make a water park out of your backyard. There's all kinds of fun, economical, inexpensive things that you can do to have fun in the heat, especially if you live in Florida. And remember, a lot of these fancy electronics, the voice and all these wristbands, they've got fitness trackers that are now health trackers, et cetera, that will monitor your pet's heart rate, body temperature, all of that stuff. And it'll send a little, a little, uh, a little beep to your cell phone so that you, in fact, can be even more aware of 
your pet's body temperature. They say if you go out barefoot and the pavement is hot, it's too hot for your pet. An another great fact, and I say that to my patients all the time, even on days up here in the east where suddenly you have an 85 degree day in April. If it's too hot for you to walk outside barefoot, that applies to cement, sand, artificial turf. It's too hot for your pet. And if you look at their foot pets, you can even see where they become excoriated or burned from the extreme level of heat. And, and if your pet doesn't want to wear booties, all well, they've got great booties out there for pets. They've got some topicals. You just rub a little bit on each of the paw pads and it can help to protect the paw pads from extremes of heat and cold. Wow. Well, I want to thank you so much. I want to tell the audience again, your website. Our website is chagrinfallspetsclinic.com or drcarol.com, which is D-R-C-A-R-O-L.com. And your Unleashed Pet Loving listeners can also give us a call. We welcome calls from pet lovers coast to coast, toll free at one 866 Dr. Carol, which is 372-2765. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm so glad I have to think about all these things. And I will call you. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank Mark, my producer. And I want to remind our listeners to live life unleashed. See you next time. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.